Hey, Jimzilla, what are you doing after graduation? Nothing, bro. I didn't pass French. Now I have to go to stupid France to get my credit. Ugh, sounds lame. Hope nothing out of the ordinary happens and a lot of government agencies don't act like complete imbeciles. Uh, what? Yeah, never mind. On with the pot. Pops and box office flops. A place where we can celebrate the underdog films, the bombs, the disasters, the much maligned movies that have drowned in their infamy. So please sit back, grab a beer, and enjoy the show. Welcome back, folks, and thank you for joining us for our 96th episode of Hops and Box Office Flops, prevented by RevengeOfTheFans.com. I, Mayor McCheese, will be your host tonight for our second installment of Hops and Double O Flops. As a reminder, this month we are doing spy movies that failed their mission. (coughs) (laughs) And tonight we will be talking about 1991's If Looks Could Kill. As always, joining me on our journey through the mistaken spy genre are the thunderous wizard who has a new robotic gold hand to show off. I'm the French teacher! (laughs) Captain Cash, who just wants to take a little peek into the British intelligence outfit closet. I I just think they're very stylish, and perhaps I I would look good in a suit and or dress. I don't know. I was about to say, you're going to start dipping into your British accent? I just, listen, all I know is I want suction cup LA gears. Let's get. Please. Let's wait to get there, okay? Okay. And finally, Chumpzilla, who's chasing babes around France. Chump, stop looking at the babes. Hey, man, what can I say? I'm a sucker for cheese-eating surrender monkeys. Ugh. As a reminder, Hops and Box Office Flops is the Internet's premier pod dedicated to poorly reviewed and or financially unsuccessful films. You can find the show on all social medias at Hops and B.O. Flops. When I'm not living it up in first class, you can find me at HBOF McCheese. Thunderous Wizard, where can the listener find you when you're not leading the class trip across France? Uh, yeah, when I'm not driving around in what I assume was supposed to be a super cool sports car, you can find me at WriterTLK on Twitter. Captain Cash, where can you be found when you aren't inventing new and useful spy devices? I would like to take some issue with the word useful, uh, but I'm definitely inventing spy devices, guys, at C-A-P-T-C-A-S-H on most of your social media. And Chumpzilla, where are you located when you're not trying to become an all-powerful European dictator? When I'm not trading cryptocurrencies on Robinhood, you can find me on Twitter at Chumpzilla8. You got that Dogecoin for me? Give me that Dogecoin. Much Stocks coins. only go up. Such wow. Here we go. Uh, I do have a question. I don't know if the Starenko denomination had a name yet, but what is worth more, that or the bison dollars? From, from the Street Fighter movie. Well, I mean, look, the Starenko is backed up by a significant amount of actual gold bullion. Yeah. It's yeah, I mean, but, you... but the bison dollar is backed up by the power of R- Raul Julia. So I feel like that might be, like, about the same. And also, the psycho power. Psycho crusher. Okay. Yeah, I don't know if that's a... <laughs> we're dumb we're, we're nerds now. I, I'm sinking my money question. into Strank coin all the yeah. way. I don't know if that's a question that'll ever be answered. Uh, so why, you may ask, are we doing this particular movie? 
for some reason, when I was a mini McCheese, I had a soft spot for If Looks Could Kill. I remember owning I mean, the VHS. Wait, wait, Happy Meal? Would you, well, a wee Happy Meal? I don't know. Uh, I guess a mini McCheese could be a Happy Meal. I mean, you could definitely get the toys in there. The mayor came and all that stuff. Um, <laughs> I've got I, a I, lot of questions about where the toys went and where you came, but all right, buddy. That's a little weird. Uh, I remember <laughs> owning this VHS and watching it religiously. And now moving forward plus 20 years, the grown-up McCheese is starting to question some of my earlier life choices. But considering that we are now above 21, we do get to drink through this movie. And that brings us to tonight's beer. For tonight's pod, we will be enjoying the Miller High Life, the champagne of beers. This beer was chosen because all Richard Greco, Greco, drinks in this movie is champagne. And I don't think any of us want a full champagne pod or the accompanying soul-crushing hangover that comes with such a feat. Can, can um, I, uh, did you say enjoying Miller High Life? Listen, we will be, we will be consuming Miller High Life. <laughs> uh, there is nothing speak, wrong. I was about to say, one of us is enjoying it, that's for sure. Speak for yourself, Thunderous Wizard. I will be enjoying every drop of my high life. They are delicious. I mean, that's strong. They are cheap beers that I that I don't immediately recoil at. The high life is, of course, a beer. More specifically, an American-style lager that has been around since apparently 1903, from what I can find. Uh, it earned its nickname because the original bottle was shaped like a champagne bottle. And back in those days, the 1900s, it was considered ritzy to be able to buy to-go beers in bottle or can and take it home from the bar instead of bringing it home in a bucket. And this is true. That's how you, that's how people used to take beer home before bottles and cans. <laughs> Coincidentally, every high life you buy was brewed in 1903, which is why it tastes like urine. So harsh. That's very. That's a pretty. It's a pretty aggressive review, considering some of the beers we drank in college. I will say that I'm. I'm okay going back to taking beer home from a bar in a bucket if that's allowed. I'm gonna do it. it that seems actually like it'd be a Pennsylvania thing, knowing your guys' laws down there. Hear, hear me out. Hear me out. Yeah. We have a bucket pod. Not. Not like not tonight, obviously, but at some point we're gonna have a bucket pod where we're just gonna drink an entire bucket. It's gonna be good. Right, this is this is a total sidebar, but me at T Dubs when we were back in high school, we used to do beer grab bag, where we'd get a giant cooler and everyone would dump a four or a six pack of the worst beer they could find into the cooler, and you couldn't look in; you just had to plunge your hand in and grab what you got, and it was awful across the board. <laughs> that feels like the original version of icing, but you're doing it to yourself. Yeah, you're doing it to everybody. Yeah, it wasn't great. Uh, it was more for like, hey, can somebody get something worse than what I just got? Yeah, it was it was more of a crapshoot of, hey, can your older brother buy the worst beer in the world, or does my older brother need to buy the worst beer in the world? Um, all right, the high life is four point six ABV, so not Captain Cash approved, and it does taste like high school or college, depending on when you started drinking. Um, I'll give it a two beer ranking because if I'm sitting around on a lazy weekend, I can probably watch two movies uh, before I either move on with my day or switch to something that actually has flavor. Uh, Chumpzilla, what is your ranking on the high life considering this is your beer of choice or at least one of your Miller stables? Yeah, I will be the high life apologist on the pod. I'll give this a three bad movie rating. I would definitely sit through three movies drinking high life. Um, I've enjoyed this beer since college. 
it's smooth. It's very drinkable. Um, and it's great on a hot day. And uh, I will quote one of our buddies, late fathers, who said, you're never drinking alone when you're drinking with the lady on the moon. Cheers. Captain Cash? Listen, I uh, actually stand firmly with uh, my co-pod host, Chumpzilla, and believe that this is absolutely a three-movie beer. Listen, is it a good beer? No, probably not, but I got 12 of these things for literally $12, and I know for a moral certainty I have watched three movies in a row multiple times drinking this beer. I, listen, it there is only one other cheap beer that I would do this for, and that's Yingling. But Ooh, Miller Highlight is the best of the best cheap mass-produced beer you're going to get. I have nothing but good things to say about it. T-Dubs? I have nothing nice to say about Miller Highlight. <laughs> it is one of my least favorite, uh, more affordable beers. I hate it. I've never enjoyed it. I would watch the opening credits of a movie, and then I would smash the bottle over my head. <laughs> then I would drink something better. All right, so we. it seems like we're kind of in a two to three minus TW who wants... I mean, I, I would even say he's almost at a negative movie. He'd give it back to just avoid it. All right, now that we got our beer, let's move on to the tale of the tape for If Looks Could Kill. The movie came out in March 1991 to an opening weekend of $2.2 million. Ugh. Uh, it only ended up netting a total of $7.8 million worldwide, and I believe, and I couldn't find any concrete info on this, I think the budget on this was $12 million. So we're going to just assume that this was a pretty big financial flop. Uh, the movie opened in 11th place, woof, and apparently was only in theaters for like four or five weeks. Uh, the reviews reflect this info with IMDb giving it 5.8 stars, Rotten Tomatoes giving it only 29%, and I think the user rating was slightly higher, but not a ton. Uh, oddly enough, uh, Roger Ebert gave it a three out of four stars, saying he initially thought it was bad, but warmed up to it after he realized that the over-the-top goofiness was intentional, and it was more of a spy spoof instead of an incompetent ripoff. Uh, no disrespect to the great Roger Ebert, but how dumb do you have to be to not know that this is a spoof right off the bat? I, <laughs> like, listen, it's what? very obviously a spoof right off the bat. But even as a spoof right off the bat, this is not three out of four stars. Every so often, Ebert's just giving him, like, way out of left field. Hey, he likes Stuart Saves His Family, so every once in a while he just gets these things wrong, clearly. Maybe he's just got a thing for Greco. I mean, look at him. I mean, don't we all? Exactly. Yeah. Um, the I movie... feel like I'm taking crazy pills. Greco ain't that handsome. You pump the brakes on that. I mean, uh, he's handsome, but he's not that handsome. He's a model before he was an actor. It's more handsome That's than fine. you. More and than... it shows. I'm not saying. <laughs> yeah, it really, yeah, definitely. <laughs> he was definitely a model before he was an yeah. actor. I give cool. you that. Yes. Cool. Cooler than you, dude. Yeah, definitely cooler than cooler you. Than you. Uh, the movie was directed by William Deere and written by Frank Drecker. I don't know either of these two, so I'm going to move on to the cast unless they ring bells for any of you guys. Anybody? Bueller. Uh, got nothing. Bueller. Yeah. <laughs> I, right, I, think, so. I, I think Fred Drecker also, he, he directed Monster Squad. Yes. 
and RoboCop three. One of one of those is awesome. RoboCop three starring werewolf. the guy from Thinner. <laughs> Listeners, I think you know which one is awesome. All right, so the cast list in this one is short. In it, we have the uh, aforementioned Greco, Richard Greco, as the inadvertent high school spy, Michael Corbin. Who FYI. looks like he's 35 years old. Shut up, FYI. For uh, Chump Zilla's knowledge, he was the muse for Corbin Dallas. Just kidding, that's a lie. Um, I'm a human popsicle. Uh, this is his debut film. Roger Reese is in this as our main baddie, August Starenko. Welcome back, Roger. Hope this pod goes better for you than Stop or My Mom Will Shoot. But less hunt. good than it was in the spoof of Robin Hood, where he was the sheriff of Rottingham, and very funny. Yes. Linda Hunt is also here as the support baddie. Uh, I think it's Ilsa, but they pronounce it Elsa in the movie, so I'm going to stick with that because it's easier with my brain and having two daughters i constantly have to hear about elsa um, just tell me one thing how did it feel to hit that son of a bitch i i think you mean grandma willow listen with your heart you will understand well and i i was gonna go that route but i'm gonna pull out her other movie the relic which we'll have a discussion about <laughs> offline i love the relic and it was financially successful, but it's a five out of ten review. So depending on what TW says, I might chew on the relic into this podcast. I absolutely saw that in theaters. I would I would do the relic. <laughs> I love the relic. Um, I guess we can also mention Robin Bartlett as Miss Grover, the French teacher, because she comes in handy later. Dude, and then... if you would have slept on her, I would have been so pissed. She is the highlight of this movie. <laughs> God. Uh, and then finally... Roger Daltrey is here as British Spy Blade. Who? <laughs> wait, the the guy that does American Woman? God, no. Is he, wait, is he... The Guess Who? He's the lead singer of The Who, you jackasses. Yeah, yeah the Guess yeah, Who. That, is he a pinball wizard? Yeah, American Woman. Well, you know, I just feel like he would have done better in a movie that was less Teenage Wasteland. That's all I'm saying. I wish you guys won't get fooled again. <laughs> It's too, too late. Uh, you, all right, we've done enough. You're giving it away. All You're right. giving it all away. So, one-liners, and this is going to be a struggle bus. IMDb's one-liner for this is trash and appears to be written by a middle schooler, but I'm going to go through it verbatim. Michael has to take summer class in French, a class trip to France to graduate high school. He is, however, mistaken for an agent, and people try to kill him. There are 007-style cars, cuties, crooks, etc. That's what. That is the description on IMDb. Did did IMDb make a robot watch this movie 300 <laughs> times and write a review? What yeah, the fuck I, was that? I feel like that's definitely like a bot from Reddit that like aggregated that from like movie reviews. Michael does not have French. He must go to France. He must get French. <laughs> it explains a lot about why this movie is so impossible to find now. Like. They didn't even want to write a description for it. So they just like, hey, uh, is your seventh grade class doing like, you know, intros? Because we got a, we got like a list of movies for you. And here's one of them. Uh, what are your guys' one-liners? Let's start with you, Captain Cash. Richard Grieco, Far From Home. Chumpzilla? <laughs> uh, if looks could kill is actually a subversive attempt at anti-European uh, Union propaganda 
and pro-cryptocurrency propaganda. This this is the first pro-Brexit film. You're getting very serious with it. Thunder's Wizard? Well, it's an anti-Brexit film, but... Uh, oh, the, what a, get out of the European Union. Don't, don't the, uh, the time the European Union didn't exist. He's trying to create it in this movie by right, right, yeah. common currency. Your bad guy <laughs> wants to create the euro, <laughs> the, the euro. Oh, zone. no, <laughs> he, he wants to create a shared European currency zone, although he wants to control it, though, too. That's the thing, yeah. yeah that's, I mean, that's that's, that's the, the shady part, he, yeah. For sure. mm. Get back to the one-liner. Uh, my one-liner is that time Mickey Rourke and Johnny Depp's kid went to Europe and inadvertently set the con- <laughs> the continent back 15 years. <laughs> uh, I like that one. Uh, mine is, if Looks Could Kill does to spy movies badly, mind you, what Naked Gun did to detective movies. Uh, I, I, don't, I, I don't agree. I wish that it had done that. Well, that's why I said badly. Like, it, yeah, it, we'll we'll talk about it after we go through the plot. That it needed to be to be successful. It should have gone full spoof and not yes. half and half. But let's right. save that for the after commentary because there's some plot and <laughs> there's some plot and questions that we have to work our way through before we get there. Yeah, I think if you call this movie a straight up spoof movie, you're selling it short because. And I don't mean that as in it's better than a spoof would be. It's that, no, they don't fully commit to the spoof. There is some goofy stuff that's not particularly realistic and slapsticky and cartoon-like. But that's not really the whole point of the movie. It's like a fish-out-of-the-water movie, an accidental spy movie, but with some spoof elements. Yeah, I mean, they play it pretty straight. At times. And then they get really goofy at times, yeah. but it's not consistent. Anyway, let's yeah. get to the plot. Well, they, I mean, they were trying to dip their toes in three different styles of approaching the mistaken spy and just pick one and then you won't have to deal with this uh, but yes we need to get to the plot so our movie opens up with Greco essentially blowing off his high school graduation because he's the cool and edgy kid uh, we come to find out that Greco didn't actually graduate because he didn't pass French we learn that the only way to get this credit is to join the French club's trip to France and so our first half of the plot is established we call That's- that the inciting incident yeah. Uh, did you guys ever have to like pass a particular level of language to graduate high school? Cause yeah. I didn't. Yeah, we had to. We had to at least have I think two years. Uh, Thunderous Wizard would know better because I just copied my way through it from him. Uh, but I remember being in two years of Spanish and doing terrible at it. Yeah, it wasn't a requirement for me. I mean, I took Spanish and I didn't really learn it i spoke it quite poorly and, and still do uh, yeah, but was, yeah, i don't think it was necessarily required though i mean I, it was an elective i chose to take a foreign language right but i will yeah. say this when i got to college because i was an engineering major i did not have a foreign language requirement and i was very thankful for that i mean that's always a good thing so at the same time that this is all <laughs> well, wait, wait, hang on it's a good thing to learn another language i have to admit i would be a much more well-rounded person today had I had to take a foreign language requirement in college, but I was so bad at it, I'm glad I didn't have to. I always find it a good thing to study a foreign tongue. Yeah, it, God. That, the, reason <laughs> I was, the reason I was saying good is that, I mean, foreign languages, for some people, they just don't click. Don't get me wrong. I've tried to learn Spanish several times after graduating college, and 
I still, there's just no link in my brain that makes it work. But que I can, lastima. I can barely speak English, so I don't know why I need to go down the path of another language. Uh, That's a good point. All right. Yeah. Starting over. So, so we're so we're learning that August Storenko and his assistant Elsa are killing all of the finance ministers in Europe in order to capture their gold. <laughs> the gold. British intelligence send their spy Blade. Why aren't you? Uh, wait, wait. I just two. I just realized if they're killing everyone in Europe with gold, there's a a great sequel to this that combines with Leprechaun. Hear me out. If I'm, Leprechauns I'm could kill. I am I am 100% on board for that idea, but I think we have to keep Roger Reese around to have him duel the leprechaun. Oh yeah, definitely. So, we have to we have to modify this movie slightly to parlay it into leprechaun in Euro trip. No, look, we'll I'm the out. leprechaun. I'm the leprechaun. Garth. Hey, uh, look everybody. No, wait, they're not are we not is that a bit? We're we doing that? No. Yes. Okay. We're not doing that bit. Stop it, Garth. Okay. So so Blade is after the two, but he fails and is killed by Elsa and her magic gold necklace, which is also an enormous whip. Um, this opening action sequence really sets the stage on kind of how cheesy the movie is going to end up being re regarding most of the action sequences. Uh, there are multiple, multiple unnecessary explosions. The first one where I'm fairly sure that dude just jumps his snowmobile and it blows up on impact. Um and then Blade ripping off his snowsuit one-handed before confronting Steranko, um, and then getting killed by Elsa. Uh, with Blade dead, we cut to the British intelligence stating that Steranko is their biggest asset and must be protected at all costs. Apparently, there's not a lot of good information sharing within the intelligence community, and this is a reoccurring theme throughout the movie because uh, I don't know how you don't realize that he's the fucking bad guy. Uh, the CIA steps in to provide a spy that is in such deep cover that no one knows his age, race, or background. Actual quote from the movie. The spy's alias is Michael Corbin, and he will be arriving tomorrow. And now we have our full plot in place. Michael assuming... Corbin, also the name of Richard Grieco's character. <clears throat> Michael Corbin, also a spy. All right, both Michael Corbins uh -huh, arrive at the airport, and Elsa is there to meet and greet Spy Corbin. After she kills him with a vacuum cleaner gun, mind you, high school Michael Corbin takes his spot on the plane. Apparently, there's not much in the way of mixing up identities in the early 90s air travel. Uh, also within well, here... Well, I mean, look, if the lady says, hey, you're first class, right? You say yes. Yes, I am. Yeah, but don't they check the flight's what do you call that itinerary doc whatever that there might be two michael corbins on the plane or oh I, yeah i mean back in the early 90s i'm not sure they had that kind of cross thing or but... not, also i don't think they gave a shit because they they just wanted to get the plane off the ground they exactly didn't to, they didn't really want to double check what you brought on or who you were are you michael corbin in first class yes fair and enough i am don't even have to show id um also within these scenes we met we meet miss groban aka the french teacher as mentioned before, she becomes necessary later in the movie, but mainly acts as an out-of-touch, nervous woman who gets jockeyed around by two different intelligence agencies and the bad guys until the finale. While on the plane, Corbin's cover is blown, but he is protected by a liaison who Elsa mistakes for Corbin. Corbin arrives safely in France, but again, Elsa is after him because the French teacher won't stop yelling his name in the airport. British intelligence swoops Corbin away and takes him to the always necessary in a spy movie location of underground base slash gadget factory. But not before firing a gun in an airport. 
Which also apparently hits the French teacher's bag, as you see that mini cutscene later. Not terribly necessary. Also, not terribly necessary to fire a gigantic revolver to clear a space. But what are you going to do? I mean, but effective. I'll I'll give him that. Yeah, I mean, very effective. He got him out of there. Uh, Corbin acts like an oaf and tries to explain this whole situation, which no one seems to give a shit about until they give him his car. Then he buys into the role. But he's still pretty much inept, to say the least. How, just general question, how at any point in all of this shit did no one question who this guy actually was? Okay, reasonable question. My my bigger question, though, we are treated to the standard spy arming gadget scene. You know, where like Q gives James Bond the exploding pen and the briefcase that is actually a spy camera. But here, it's all teenage bullshit. He gets a pair of literal x-ray glasses, like, on the back of a comic book. So Which you can the- see lady, like, women undressed, and that's made a thing of. Yeah, and this is, this will ruin a question I have later, but that is not at all how x-rays work. <laughs> yeah, not even close. It It's not x-rays, it just literally eliminates the clothes everyone is wearing. And beyond that, they give him a pair of L.A. gears with suction cups. What fucking, like, the spy is like a 40-year-old dude, and he's going to be wearing L.A. gears with his tux? For the record, nobody questions who Greco really is because he doesn't appear to be 18. He appears to be a 35-year-old man. Yeah, but Fair he's, point. He's... He spends a solid five minutes in their underground lair trying to ex- explain to them that he's not a spy. And they're like, oh, you're so cheeky. I can't. Yeah. You're, you're just so deep cover. That's what this yeah, is. Their so one deep. excuse is, I've seen this before. He's so deep cover. He doesn't know he's a spy. But really? Well, to be fair to Greco, he's only 25 when he filmed this movie, give or take. But yes, he does appear to be like 35. Um, <laughs> his his five o'clock shadow is very prominent. His uh, five o'clock even shadow under, is, is there at one in the afternoon. Yeah, he's even just, with the foundation on top of it, the stage makeup, it's still there. He does not give off as plucky high schooler who's gone on a European trip, gone awry, such as Tom Holland in the movie that stole the entire plot to this film. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I will say that I'm pretty sure that British intelligence like technology lab, I think that's actually an extension of the lab uh, in L.A. that we saw in Tango and Cash. I'm pretty sure those are probably sister technology. Oh, no, yeah, yeah, they're definitely oh. they, they they're part of an email chain at least. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they <laughs> share notes. They're part of an America Online chat chat forum, <laughs> sharing yeah. ideas. What if what if we put a gun in a shoe? Yeah, we're so close to that. Genius. Have you so guys close uh, to having like LA gun shoes? Yeah, have you guys used a taxidermy dog yet to, <laughs> to shoot anything? And I, I also feel like this scene, if, if you're going for spoof, this scene could have been so much better. Like, what do we get out of it? We get the shoes. You said it, the shoes, the gum, the x-ray, and his cool car. And then oh, later... You get the desk that chops people's heads off. So. Oh, I forgot about that. The desk that flips over and decapitates the, yeah. the doll. Also, they're using live humans to test bombs. So That's the actual director. Yeah. Uh, one little one little piece of trivia I was able to find is that's the director when they okay. cut to the dude who gets blown up and he's like, maybe later. 
All right. So upon leaving the underground base, Corbin is followed by Mariska, who is necessary later in this movie to bring this whole thing to a close. And Ziggisfield, or Ziggsfield, I think, maybe I'm saying it wrong, the creepy robot-handed henchman who mainly just grunts. And again, uh, this movie inspired a lot of other movies because if you've ever seen The Kingsman 2, what does the henchman have? The same mechanical arm this guy has, although with a lot more frills and cgi flair to it but this movie uh just yeah, telling you inspires yeah, and again i think between the roger uh daltrey scene from the beginning meet the new boss same as the old boss and then this you know <laughs> basement uh you know technology bunker scene you get the most clear elements of this being a james bond spoof and that includes the villain you were just talking about thunderous wizard who's obviously a knockoff of jaws you know the big brooding bad guy with some sort of mechanical enhancement so it's like yeah you definitely got these like spoof elements and they're, they're trying to tell you hey this is like a james bond movie but funny uh but really that's as far as they take it that's pretty much it they just give you the elements and then it's sort of serious from there oh Sam. there's no, I would of, say, well yeah i don't think this movie is serious there's the three bus drivers gag it's yeah, never serious, yeah. Let's wait till we talk about the scorpion scene. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, so they chase each other around for a bit until they end up at the... This is the car chase, sorry. Um, and he's so confused about the gadgets in the car, and he's just hitting switches like an asshole, because... Just trying to lower the fucking windows. <laughs> like, it's always in the same place, Greco. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so they chase each other around a bit until they get to the casino where Corbin was supposed to go originally to observe and protect Storenko. Uh, because he is a clueless, horny teenager, uh, and again, we've already mentioned it, this is where I was going to put the comment in that not a, not entirely a teenager, he was 26 when he was filming this. Um, Corbin decides to 26 chase going on 40. <laughs> Corbin decides to chase Mariska around the casino and then beats Dorenko in what is the game? Because I Baccarat. I have no idea how that Ladies and gentlemen, yeah. Mr. Burt Baccarat. Exactly. Yeah, but, I you know, no, the card game. I have no idea how that game works, and I was equally confused in the movie, but he ends up beating Storenko for a shitload of money by accident. Uh, he, again, doesn't realize what he has done and makes his exit as Storenko is trying to kill him because Storenko realizes that he is the Michael Corbin that is supposed to come kill him. Uh, Corbin unknowingly uses his tuxedo suit to gas the henchman, and then he runs back to his hotel. This is where we get... A very uncomfortable scene where Stranko sends his lady friend, Ariola, uh, to show up and seduce and kill Corbin. Her main way of killing people is to use poisonous scorpions. Uh, that plan backfires when uh, Corbin jumps out of bed, scorpion launches into the air, lands in what, the chandelier, I believe, and then falls back down into Ariola's dress. Her name um, is Belly Button? <laughs> So here's my thing. Is Areola more or less offensive than, say, Anatop or Octopussy or, or Pussy Galore? Galore? So close. A lot of, vag of vagina. <laughs> a lot of vagina. A lot of vagina. Uh, yeah, again, that's another key element of the James Bond spoof angle this movie takes. Yeah, but, but what I think is funny, he's about to receive oral sex, and he decides then he needs to hop up and get a condom. 
which is very progressive for the time. He's obviously aware of STDs. He's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, don't be silly. Wrap your willy. He knows what's up. I mean, it's a smart move, Greco. Smart move. Yeah. The entire yeah, I, scene I, I, is such a clusterfuck. Well, we're not we're not even there yet. I'm, I'm still focusing on the Ariola part. It, it it harkens back to the 50-50 thing. Like, if you're going to go spoof, make your name something absolutely ridiculous. Like, even more goofy than the Bond films. But Fuzzy no, Navel. I'm sorry, her name is Nipple. Like, that wasn't enough for you? No, because if you look at... Oh, that's a I mean, nipple. Silly me. Shut up. <laughs> Wait, you weren't joking? I thought that was the joke. <laughs> Uh, anyways, yeah, Ariola, she's got tits. Ha! Huh. You, get, you get it? You get it? Nipples? Ha! Ha! Shouldn't she have Moving been on. Ariolas? Uh, also, for the record, the scorpion she releases is an emperor scorpion. That that's not at all deadly. It won't hurt you even a little. Thank yeah, you, Steve Irwin. Yeah, start, <laughs> let's try not to nerd it up too hard on this movie. Uh, Fine. Th- this scene is incredibly fucking awkward because as the scorpion falls into her dress, she runs around the room moaning very weirdly and then writhing around, which I don't know if we need to dive into. It's uncomfortable to watch. It's uncomfortable mainly because Grieco's character is blissfully unaware that those are not like passionate moans. Something terrible is happening, and he's like, oh, I better get these combat condoms open. He's supposed to be 18. He's not even graduated high school yet. Oh, yeah. True. Yeah, I think that just shows his inexperience. He can't He can't uh, differentiate between the moans of passion and the moans of, of trying to get a scorpion out of your slip. I'm being <laughs> murdered by my own scorpion. So, anyways, during this, oh, Ziga Field... Yeah. Well, hold on, Mary McCheese. I just want to say the real problem with this scene is that it goes on for entirely too long. Oh no! It's it just a solid, she like, just continues to weird. scream and and shriek and run around, and he, he cut back and forth between him trying to get these like MRE condoms open and her pantomiming panic. And it's like, okay, is she dead yet or what? This is, this is going off like three minutes. What are we doing here? Yeah, it's bad. Um, during this, Ziggisfield, again, I think I'm pronouncing that wrong, but I don't give a shit, shows up with a fucking bazooka, punches a hole in the door, and then blasts Ariola, who's on the bed, because he thinks the two are getting down and dirty. Which, I mean, that is one way to approach a problem. Uh, now, I mean, Greco obviously survives. Uh, Ziggisfield only kills Ariola. Now realizing that he may be in over his head, Corbin seeks out Mariska for help. She reveals Steranko's true plot, and the fact that Blade was her father. Mariska and Corbin head to Stranko's fucking castle, which, again, the intelligence community didn't really notice. Villain castle. (laughs) Yes. Surrounded by goddamn guards 24-7. If you're ever invited to a guy's castle where he's smelting gold, like with (laughs) a bunch of slave workers, maybe it's time to reassess what's going to happen when you go to dinner with this guy at his fucking creepy table. (laughs) I mean, it's going to be a great time, right? I would assume so. I mean, this is either going like, you know, serial killer or like Eyes Wide Shut or some combination of the two. I don't see how either of those are a bad choice. I think my favorite part of this movie is the fact that we're supposed to believe the guy who couldn't pass French 101 is going to understand what this guy creating his own currency to control Europe's economy is like this entire plot means. No, I don't think he understands that. I just think he's mad that he kidnapped his friends. 
And I don't think the people that made this film understand <laughs> why creating the Euro is a bad thing. Uh, uh. So they get to the castle and Corbin realizes that his friends have been captured. We glossed over it, but yeah, there's a really ridiculous constant bus driver change with the French teacher, but I'm not going to spend a lot of time there unless one of I you could, wanted... I couldn't keep up whether the bus driver was a good guy or a bad guy because they kept swapping him out and look like, okay, so whose agent's driving the bus now? I thought they were all bad guys. No, nah. well, the last one's a good guy, I think. No, the last one is Ziggisfield. The one before that was a good guy. The one before guy. that yeah, was but a he, bad he, guy. He like says like, oh, hey. Oh, because they don't know. Because the good guy, the uh, intelligence agencies are really stupid. Yes. Yeah, because, yeah, the whole thing because is both, stupid. both CIA and British intelligence thinks that the French teacher is a counter spy to Corbin. She's a national treasure, is what she is. Oh God, it's because she's you. I love her in this movie. Yeah, I, I, I just still, I don't understand how we're supposed to. If this was a total spoof, I could glean how the intelligence communities were so dumb. But this is just unacceptable how stupid they are. I mean, even to the point that, like, they're all calling his dipshit 18-year-old high school friends mercen the mercenaries have been captured. <laughs> like, come on. And thinking, yeah. that, and thinking that the Thunderous Wizard is some sort of super secret spy named the French teacher? Bullshit. But, but we're at the end, thank God. Corbin and Mariska get captured as they try to break into the castle because they're terrible at this. They break out. They save the French teacher and the students. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, he is super good with a gun. Red light, green light. Mission Impossible. Again, just sampling the brilliance of if looks could kill. Yeah, and don't forget <laughs> the chewing gum explosive. Yeah, well, that's what that is. The chewing yeah, gum explosive. Red, red light, light, green light. Red light, green movie. light. Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize that was the same. I've never seen Mission Impossible. Good. No, yeah, that'll right, do it. Go. You gotta go. Go. <laughs> we'll catch up with you later. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll go watch that right now. That good. I mean, obviously, be better. this stuff had all been done before, but. Well, it, it's just all James Bond spoofs. Like, yeah, it's it's stuff we've seen done. I think here, I'd never seen this movie before, Mary McCheese, and I know I'm probably getting ahead of myself, but, you know, this just does a lot of the same stuff we get in Austin Powers, just not as funny. Yep. Yeah, but it was also how oh, many way years? before. How many yeah, years before? Not that many. This is 91. Yeah, it's so like seven, seven years. Seven years. That's yeah. Yeah, that's not that many, but I think there's nothing there's nothing new about spoofing James Bond though. That's that's not yeah. a new concept. Yeah. I, I would say between ninety one and ninety eight or ninety nine, the amount of comedic growth you get in movies is exponential. Uh, yeah, uh, I will say this: this movie looks really, really old for me in nineteen ninety one. Agreed. Wow. And we're we're I mean we're getting into the, <laughs> the reason the, for that. Yeah, we're getting into the the final, which does not. Yeah does not end yeah. or pan out well and it doesn't look great but i will sure. say as, as far as comedic chops go there's things got a lot funnier late 90s than they were early 90s uh but anyways so corbin saves the french teacher and students and in doing so apparently it makes the french teacher take up the role as savior where she ties on a bandana gets a gun and starts uh being his number two if you will which, to be fair, Viva la France! That that actually did work. That was one of the gags in this where French teacher goes full Rambo. I was yeah. kind of there for. That was pretty good. 
she assists in helping Corbin bring down Starenko before he can poison everyone at the party and compete, uh, complete his plan of global domination. Uh, Starenko and Elsa flee to the roof, but they can't escape because the chopper is too heavy from all the gold Starenko loaded on there. Uh, instead of getting rid of the gold, Starenko pushes Elsa out of the chopper, thus killing her, and then he is killed when... Corbin and Mariska shoot a hole in the bottom of the chopper and he falls out the gold and the chopper land on top of him. <laughs> like just Jeez. like a long kiss. Good night. Yes. 1990s and helicopter crashes, man. Yes. I, I was going to have change. a bonus. I was going to have a bonus question about helicopter crashes, but I figured it was too easy. Yes. This one also has a helicopter crash. I, I want to, Add the climax, I might add. I want to also say that all this action takes place in the last 10 minutes, in a fevered pitch 10 minutes of the closing of the movie. (laughs) It does. And I do want to point out, because this movie is so transcendent. uh, (laughs) That is is an aggressive term, sir. That is a a bold stance, but I'm here for your your commentary. Netflix's Triple Frontier with Ben Affleck. I don't know if you've seen it. Helicopter crashes, why? Takes on too much weight. An idea they clearly stole from the 1991 classic. Wait, is, is that a swipe at Affleck or did, is there like cargo? No, it's a swipe at. No, that's not. We don't fat <laughs> no, shame it, Affleck. He's, he's saying that this movie spawned so many great ideas in Hollywood. You guys are just so unaware of it. Yeah. Uh, okay, fair. This movie is Hollywood, just like Richard Grieco <laughs> is 18. Believe it, folks. Uh, so, Corey. Corbin and Mariska, Corbin and Mariska escape via the aforementioned suction cup shoes, which sort of worked. It doesn't really even show how they get off the building, but whatever. All's well as the world. They made it. Uh, Corbin gets his French credit, and the girl apparently in the class, I guess, goes back to its trip in France. Roll credits, because I think this takes place over the course of twenty-four hours. Yes. Uh, pretty close, yeah. It's like It'll a be 48, 48, tops. 48 hours. Yeah, 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 yeah. A couple days. Yeah, so that that's it. That's the movie. I don't really need to dive into much more unless you guys need to bring out any points you want to talk about no, now. No, I'll, uh, I'll save it all. I'm really excited. <laughs> Fired up. Get those areolas warmed up. Yeah, oh, my, my belly button's well, raring to go to talk about this. Jesus <laughs> Christ. Uh, all right, let's do our movie ratings. As a reminder, this is on a scale of one to six beers and can be either pain or enjoyment beers. And let's start with the Thunder's Wizards because I'm fairly sure as a kid I probably made you watch this movie. Oh, I've seen this movie easily 35 times. I'm guessing 20 of those were my doing. <laughs> yeah. So two enjoyment beers for me. It's not a good movie, which is obvious because this movie is impossible to find anywhere <laughs> now it does not exist oh yeah I, f- I forgot to mention that at the top of the pod if you want this movie you need to buy the dvd on yep. amazon for 12 dollars. and i'm not sure that's a 12 dollars well spent so no that you, is a waste of money <laughs> might want to wait for the blu-ray which is not coming <laughs> 4k not coming it's just not coming folks but it lets me reflect on fonder times when i was young and dumb and thought a movie like this was high art. So I, I enjoyed the hour and 28 minutes. Uh, Captain Cash? Listen, this movie is 88 minutes long, so it's hard to get too mad at it, right? But this is a four-beer movie for me. I, I can easily knock out four highlights, 
maybe six in the amount of time it takes to watch this. And like we can get into why that is, but I lay this at the feet of Greco. Greco just ain't that fucking funny. He's a handsome man. I give him that. He just ain't that funny. He he is not carrying this film. Yeah, I, I think his acting is is probably mostly based on just mugging at the camera, not so much actually delivering the dialogue or the jokes. He just kind of you know mugs for the camera and like, hey, is that a good take? All right, let's go. Next scene. Uh, all right, whatever. It's his, it's his first movie. He's eager. Yeah, is he? He, I mean the script's not great. The script's not great either. So I'm not putting it totally on him. But yeah, he's trying to mugs at the th- camera. I'm trying to throw the bone his way. So shut up, okay? Leave him yeah. alone. What do you got, Chumzilla? Yeah, um, I'm very similar to Captain Cash on this. I'll give it three beers, and I will say you could probably sneak a fourth beer in during the third act because that's where the movie really falls apart. It's a lighthearted, goofy comedy for the first two acts, basically, and then they just kind of fumble the, the third act. There's really not like a nice tight ending to it, and it's kind of like, what's going on here? So, yeah, it's three beers and maybe that fourth. Not a nice tight ending. He gets to use the suction cup shoes Dude, on the rooftop. On. I will say this. There's a helicopter crash. There's gold. Everyone, <laughs> all the good guys make it. You brought this up. You brought this up, the shoes. They introduce the shoes. You don't see them throughout the first two acts, and then you get them <laughs> in the climax. That's way more closure than we got with the sniper rifle in a long kiss goodnight. I'm just and, saying. And I will counter with this. Name a better scene. With 90s LA gear high tops. Okay, yeah, I, I'll, I'll, I'll wait. I'll take my answer I guarantee off you that, <laughs> that at least one of the Beverly Hills Cops films has LA gears. Yeah, what's what's uh, Vanilla Ice wearing in the... Oh, shit. Yeah, movie? that's exactly right. PMNT2. Go, yeah. Ninja! Go, Ninja! Go! You know, well, honestly, well, 90s boom, sneakers done. are confusing, so maybe these are those are British knights. <laughs> okay, no, that's a fair point. This could be reboxed. I don't know. Well, Cat, Cash and Chump, you didn't say if they're pain beers or pleasure beers or oh, enjoyment oh, beers. It's enjoyment beers. This movie, like I said, the first two acts are dumb fun, and then the third act's a little bit of a disappointment, but this movie's not painful to watch. It's It's a lighthearted comedy at its heart. At least it tries to be. Yeah, I don't know that I make a distinction here. They're both kind of the same. Well, they are. They are. <laughs> they are the champagne of beers. Life is yeah. pain. You drink both when you're happy and sad. Life uh, is champagne of beers. I'm I'm closer to T Dubs. I I gave it a two to three because it's only eighty eight. Uh, it's a mix of pain and enjoyment because of the nostalgia for me. I, like I wanted the. I really wanted this to be better since I watched it so much as a kid, but rewatching it now, it's just, it's not, it's not that good of a movie, but I still, I still enjoy it. I just, I'm not going to, I don't need to sit here and chug beer to get my way through it. And I don't, you know, I do need a couple beers to get through some of the ridiculous shit. You're not going to shell out that $12.99 on Amazon no, to get the I, DVD copy no, Absolutely no way that I am paying 12 bucks for a DVD version of this. I think I had some splaining to do to Miss McCheese. Uh, all right. So before we get into the impressions, questions, thoughts, etc., let's take a quick break so we can all go and refresh our drinks. (laughs) 
Welcome back to the 96th episode of Hops and Box Office Flops, brought to you by the RevengeOfTheFans.com. As a reminder, we are continuing to cover 1991 Richard Greco vehicle, If Looks Could Kill. Um, I mean, I guess we could do this quickly. Overall impressions from you guys? I think we've kind of gotten it out there, but does anyone else want to add anything? Uh, yeah, I still enjoy this movie for what it is. It's a silly satire about the spy genre. Uh, with a guy that uh, the 90s probably can, thought could be a future star because uh, he was brought on to 21 Jump Street to replace Johnny Depp, and it didn't work. Yeah, how'd that go? Uh, yeah. Right, again, but, this, was his fir- this was his first movie, so I mean, and people, saw, people saw potential in him, and maybe he just wasn't the dude. I mean, if you look at his IMDb, like we were talking about before the pod started, it's not like there's a ton of hit movies in there. No, and uh, when we, we get to the next question, I'll touch on that. <laughs> my, my only thought here is, how is the bastard child of Austin Powers and Spider-Man Far From Home somehow come out 30 years before one of them and 10 years before the other? Because you got to have inspiration. Those were, that's where the, this movie was the inspiration to both of those. That's what I'm hanging I, it on. I'm serious. Like, Spider-Man Far From Home cribbed heavily from this movie. I, I, mm, heavily. Yeah, Maybe that's why. The similarities are way too much to be coincidence. There's conversations here that are directly from the same movie. Like, thought we are going to hit on babes, man. I, I will say the almost killing everyone on the bus scene with technology definitely crops up in both of those films. Maybe maybe they have a hand in why this is so hard to get. Maybe it's not streaming and you have to buy it on DVD because they're trying to bury <laughs> <Yeah>. the source material. <laughs> Sony and Disney have teamed up to bury this. You listen here, Feige. If you're burying my 4K <laughs> extended cut if it looks good, kill, I'll get you, buddy. I wouldn't be surprised if you couldn't find uh, like a B-roll gag roll uh, of if looks could kill on a secret hidden menu on the DVD for far from home. I'm just saying. I, my other question though is why is this called? If looks could kill like because Greek is a handsome man. That's it. That's the only, yeah, that's kind of what I thought. Oh, he never uses his looks to kill anyone nor even get close to killing anyone. But it's a total bond name. Live and yeah, let die. A, you only live yeah. twice. Why the fuck never was say your movie called again. A Long Kiss Goodnight? <laughs> no, yeah. no, it, but this they is literally say too. The Long Kiss Goodnight in the film. Never but great. But that's not the point. Never great. Yeah, which is totally shoehorned in. It doesn't make any sense. Nobody yeah. says that. That's not a common cliche. No, but you know what it is? Uh, looking <laughs> so good you might kill someone. <laughs> if looks could kill. Yeah. Total, total common cliche. Which actually, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you right now. There's a hashtag going on Twitter. If, if looks could kill, I don't know why, but it popped up on my feed. So we might be able to hop on that bandwagon oh, and shoehorn yeah. oh. this pot in. There is another movie. <laughs> it's another B movie. Yeah, there, but there is, there, there is, is another there is a, movie. There is a, like, I think like a late 2000s if looks could kill, but I didn't even look into who's in it. I mean, and. I mentioned it earlier. My comments on overall impressions is like if they would have dug in a little further into the goofiness of the spoof, I think it would have done better. Um, I do like the movie. It's not a good movie, but I like it. Um, Second question down this chain is, does this deserve to flop? 
Well, here's what I'll say. Am I surprised it did? No. No, I, not at all. Uh, no. And as you said, it was really difficult to find out. Uh, it was really difficult to find out how much it actually cost. But it is B-list Johnny Depp, as I've said, and it did finish 11th, as you mentioned. Uh, so this sort of box office gross was probably somewhere within the realm of expectation. Uh, interesting fact, though, Richard Grieco appears in our uh, mutual favorite Kiss Kiss Bang Bang as B-movie actor. Because that's what Richard Grieco really was, and there's nothing wrong with that, but he was never a big star, and this was just sort of the beginning stages of he's not a big star. Like, at the end of the day, you can do a spoof film just like this, but you really, really need a strong lead that can be funny. And you know, like I don't know Richard Grieco's later work, and I'm not trying to shit all over a dude who was 26 at filming, because, you know, whatever. But uh, he does not carry this film the way he needs to. Um, I'm not shocked at this flop, because I think it fails as a straightforward comedy slash spoof, and it definitely doesn't work as an action movie either. So it's kind of like just a, a weird, mediocre combination of the genres. Um, but I'm not laying that all entirely at the feet of the star here. Uh, I don't think Grieco's, uh, acting is the biggest problem. I think the script's not great. I think some of the jokes don't pay off or kind of don't hit. And he does an okay job delivering the bad dialogue he's given. I think with a better script, this movie would have been better. And I think he would have done better as well. Well, that part um, lays into the final question of what could have been done to salvage this or to make it better. Well, I'll just continue my thought here. I think a, a cop-out answer is like, okay, the movie could have just been better if it had been funnier and whatnot. That would have worked, whatever. But no, I will give one concrete example of something that's wrong with the script and the story, in my opinion. The fact that they give us the reveal of the villain right off the bat in the first act really doesn't allow this movie, even as a spoof, to build any tension. You know that Starenko is the bad guy right off the bat. If they had saved that reveal for later and you didn't know that he was the bad guy until it's discovered at the end, the movie actually has some tension and it actually has you know, some element of surprise to the plot. You basically get everything laid bare right, right off the bat in the first act and then you just watch it kind of run its course through the rest of the movie and it, it's not nearly as entertaining as it could be. That's a big twist that they spoiled way too early yeah uh my i have a couple one's serious one's not so serious the first is hire johnny depp because obviously that's probably what they would have intended to do <laughs> <laughs> and uh two is you have corbin betray everyone for the allure of gold like most dumb 18 year olds who couldn't pass french class would definitely do <laughs> Yeah, but he was he was after Mariska. He wasn't after the gold. Oh, come on. He if Steranko's, you know, putting some of those Steranko coins with the scorpion. They're called Steranko the box, damn it. Steranko coins. <laughs> yeah, Steranko coins for sure. I got to change my trivia reward. It was Steranko bucks. Now it's got to be Steranko coins. Scorpion, that's your symbol, isn't it? <laughs> oh god. Cash anything say you before we move on? the real problem with this movie is it can't decide what it wants to be. It 
it tiptoes the line of spoof. It tiptoes the line of action film and never decides which it is. Yeah, if that's they, what that's what we were talking about earlier. Yeah, if they'd gone full spoof, this might have worked. If they had gone a little bit more, a little bit less goofy, a little bit action heavier, maybe it would have worked too. Well, here's a follow-up question. Does Greco work in either of those formats? Or does he need to be swapped out? If, you, if you've seen Booker, no. Which I just... The spinoff to 21 Jump Street. Yeah, I, I struggle with the lead because... At no point do I believe that Richard Grieco is playing anyone but Richard Grieco in a movie. Yeah. All right, so let's move on. to. Are there any more lingering questions? I think we went through two of them. I, I had one here that that is not how X-Ray works. Um, I had one here that the fact that he is just hitting switches in the spy car is the dumbest shit in the world. Uh, the one I really want to talk about is... There's no fucking way that liquid nitrogen freezes that giant vat of gold fast enough for them to land a cage full of people on. Listen, it works for surface. I'm sorry, it worked for Terminator too. Damn it! Well, that was a that was a a an entire truck that froze liquid metal. This was like piping hot gold. It's not like the T1000 was operating. He had a hose. 300 degrees Fahrenheit at the top of the gold. Yeah, yeah, hold on, hold on. So let's set the scene here for the listener. The French class (laughs) and the French teacher are suspended above the giant smelting vat of gold in a cage. And uh, Strinko is threatening to lower them into it to kill them. But at the last second, liquid nitrogen is used to freeze the surface of this giant molten vat of gold, allowing everyone to escape. And then, and then, uh, Michael Corbin fights the knockoff jaws on top of it until the guy falls in or whatever. Um, but that is also probably one of the dumber aspects of the movie in the <laughs> fact that why would he risk his gold? contaminating the gold by dropping people in it when he's already made a statement like the in the first act of the movie, or maybe early in the second, that he's purifying the gold by smelting it before he makes his Strinko coins. Like Cause he's because he's so dizzy from all the decisions he made and stop or my mom will shoot. Yeah, I guess, but just like okay, so this doesn't make any sense because he's gonna totally screw up his gold by burning people in it. Take your logic elsewhere. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's that's actually fair for this. Yeah, film. you do need to spend suspend a little bit yeah. of despair I think, for this movie. I think the only answer you really need is that uh, Corbin may have failed French, but the writers of this movie failed science. True. Uh, so my only other question is, and maybe this is my nerd showing, but I can't fucking constantly hear Starenko and not think Jim Starenko. The guy who was responsible for like Agents of Shield and like a bunch no, of Silver Age nonsense from comic that's books. That's your nerd. That's your nerdiness. Okay, fine. No. That's fine. No, no, no one knows what fine. you're talking about. Okay, cool. Wait, um, did he also steal all the gold of of Europe? <laughs> I mean, he was involved with Bram Stoker's Dracula, so maybe. Okay, yeah. I mean that that checks. And out. Raiders and Raiders and Raiders. Well, there you mm-hmm. go. Mm-hmm. I'm about to say this dude's got an impressive career. Um, it's like one of the big ones, man. Final thoughts before we go on to trivia? Or are we good to start some trivia? Let's trivia. All right. So there's not a ton of intrigue surrounding the movie or trivia or anything. So I 
I've had to branch out. Most of the questions are very simple because there's not a lot to work with here. Uh, and, and we've probably ruined one or two, uh, but hopefully not all of them. Tonight's chime in is either I am the French teacher or, hey, your dick's on fire, uh, which I'm surprised we got to this point without talking about. Um, and tonight, since I had to change it, you're playing for $5,000 of strength coins, which, by the way, in this movie, were actually chocolate coins. <laughs> you know what? What's that translate to in bison bucks? You're getting you're getting a bunch of chocolate if you win this. Just so you know. oh, nice. Settle that'll down. Be, that'll be good. <laughs> um, all right, number one. What is Richard Grieco's childhood nickname? Is it A. Richie? Is it B. Dick? C. Dicky? Or D. Mr. Suave? I have the Dick's French on teacher. fire. Yeah, that's Captain Cash. Dicky. It is Dicky. Ah, that was a total it had to be Dicky. I knew that. I knew it. I, I didn't know that at all. Oh, <laughs> <Aww, laughs> little Dicky. I, I just got dicks on fire and Dicky. There was no choice. Well, oh, I mean, God. Richard's short for Dick. It's just, you know, with his being childhood, obviously, they oh, didn't want to call him be. Dick. Richard. Um, Richard. Uh, number two. What was the working or European title of this film? A, oh, yeah. if looks could kill, there was no change. B, teen agent. C, Spy High, or D, Mr. Goldrunner. Your dick's on fire. My dick's yeah. on fire. Dicks are on fire. <laughs> your Captain your dick's Cash. On fire. This dick is on fire. Uh, no. Captain Cash. Oh, no. Teen Agent. <laughs> it is Teen Agent. I knew ah! that one, too. <laughs> uh, you gotta, you got to chime in quicker. If, if I may, I would like to pause and appreciate Spy High. Well done. So, yeah. uh, what... I tried to come up with something that was believable because i don't know if you guys did any research on this or not but so, there's so, a couple of websites that were talking about teen agent so what did europe call agent cody banks after they wasted the title teen agent on 26 year old richard grieco oh, i have no idea and i'm not even going go down that path. secret agent cody banks agent, all right it's so... like agent cody banks i don't know yeah. I mean, what did they call James Bond Jr., that fucking cartoon from the mid-90s? Europe doesn't acknowledge that exists. <laughs> Darkwater? Uh, yeah. Pirates of Darkwater rocked, but I don't feel like America much, much acknowledges James Bond Jr. any longer, but that's fine. So currently we're at uh, Cash 2 and Goose Eggs for the rest. Question 3. Which one yeah. of the following was not a career that Greco dabbled in? A, singing, B, dancing, C, painting, or D, modeling? Your dick's on fire. God, this dude is cash. I I don't understand how Gigolo wasn't one of those. Well, uh, need an answer. Need an answer. So it's definitely not painting. It's definitely not modeling. What were the other two? A, singing, B, dancing, C, painting, or D, modeling? Dancing. It was not dancing. Damn it. No, no, that that it was not. The yeah. question was, you yeah. you are correct. Thank you. God but, damn it! Yeah. These are all my guesses. So, little did you know, I am actually a Greco super fan. Like I go to sleep at night under a poster of Richard Greco. So, as a follow up, this is not a bonus. This is a comment. His album "Waiting for the Sky to Fall" is currently on iTunes. <laughs> oh man! Oh yeah. If you we're search gonna, for we're gonna post if you that. search for you got to search for Greco. You can't search for the band name, or you you have to search for "Waiting for the Sky to Fall." It is 
It is very soft rock. What is I the listen band to, name? I listened to the first song. Not my cup of tea, but if there's a oh. soft rock fan in our mix. Grico's go. always your couple, cup of tea. Wait, yeah, what's yeah. the band name? Oh, I... I, Wait, I, I found him. Down my just straight up Richard Grico. Yep, I've got him oh, no, on it, Spotify on right now. It's just under Richard Grico. It doesn't list the band name. Please let it rain if love was on your mind. Johnny, come lately. <laughs> he actually has two. He actually has two bands. He had a band in the '90s, and he has a band now. Um, oh yeah. All right, we're, we're going to skip question four because T Dub's already answered it, which was what was Grico's Twenty One Jump Street name. T Dub, do you want to answer that for us? It's Booker, which he what's got his a... first. What's his first name? Oh, I don't remember his first name. Anyone? Anyone remember Grico's first name on Twenty One Jump Street? John Booker. No, it is Dennis. Dennis Booker. He got a spinoff yeah, show that lasted a season, but he does appear in Twenty Two Jump Street, which was cool because yeah. he should have. Is that wait? Is that where he appears with Johnny Depp? Yes, and is no, no. Me. That is a uh, oh. That is a uh, that's Tubbs. It's DeLuise. Uh, Don so, DeLuise. No, it's his son. Dom DeLuise's son was Johnny Depp's partner in the original Twenty One. The original. Jump Street. Uh, so it's his, it was his real partner, so not in Richard. Twenty One Jump Grieco. Street. They appear together, uh, and in Twenty Two yeah. Jump Street, Richard Grieco appears when they do like the the spoof of Twenty Six Jump Street, Twenty You know, Twenty Eight Jump Street uh, Legends. Yeah. Yeah. Peter DeLuise. Peter DeLuise. I'm sorry. Question number five. I'm going to have to modify this one a little bit. Um, so some of the gadgets in this movie were used in later spy films. One was the x-ray glasses, which uh, I can't remember which movie that was shown in. And the other was the exploding gum, which we talked about being in Mission Impossible. But it was x-ray also... glasses was fucking Austin Powers in the card scene. In the same card scene. Again, guys, this movie is transcendent <laughs> yeah and unless unless i'm screwing up my online information the exploding gum was used in another movie that was not it was used in mission impossible but it was used in another movie and, and again i might be screwing this up and i you know i wrote this out wrong does anyone this is a long shot so it's going to be worth three points to tie you with cash does anyone know what other movie the exploding gum was used in it was a bond movie Bond movie. If it's what, after what, what, this, what what Bond? What era? It's got to be Pierce Brosnan Bond. If it's after is that, this. The only, is it the only one? Is it the, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's got to be after 1991. And I'm I'm gonna quickly look it up to see if I screwed this whole thing up. Hold on. Oh man, I'm trying to think because I, I don't know the Brosnan movies that well. I I have the French teacher. I'm just gonna say the world is not enough. That is it. That's a really good guess. Yeah. Damn. I've tied. <laughs> Came. From way behind, and I'll have to. I mean, I'm gonna give it to you. I feel like some of the some of the information I got online might have sent us astray, but you just got you just pulled in completely hey, even with Captain Cash. Who's the Who's the Bond girl in that one? Uh, well, it's uh, what's Denise Richards. Denise Richards. Uh, is that, yeah, but it's that, also yeah. uh, the the villain girl. Uh, there's Sophie, two. There's Sophie. Marceau, yeah. Sophie Marceau. King. Yeah. Yeah, and then the guy from uh, was that one, the one with the motorcycle chase? The guy from Twenty Eight Weeks Later is the bad guy. Oh yeah, yeah he's also guy. in the Full Monty. Scarecrow. No, different guy. Twenty Eight Days Later is the Scarecrow, C- Cillian oh. Murphy, 
for Killian Murphy. Oh no, shit! They used X-ray. They also used X-ray glasses in the world is not enough, but they also used exploding gum. <laughs> they stole them both. Nailed it! Nailed it! I told you this movie, just so inspirational, All very right. influential. Yeah. All right, this is this is the last question. Greco makes a pivotal cameo in SNL's Night at the Roxbury. Why does he help the Butabi brothers into the club? Is it A, he owes them money? Is it B, he stole the club idea? Is it C, he's a long-lost family friend? Or is it D, he doesn't want to get sued? I'm the first teacher. stick is on fire! It's T-Dubs. He's a long-lost family friend. Nope. Oh, goddammit, I hadn't seen it in so long. I'm the French teacher. All right. He owes them money? Nope. Incorrect. Oh, no. So All this right. is on you, Cash. He this, stole this... the club idea, or he doesn't want to get sued. I'm going to give... So I know the brothers model their lives after Greco. So I'm going to say he stole the club idea. Nope. Wrong. Damn it! Across the board. We end up with a completely pushed. No, in the movie, they accidentally get... Uh, Greco gets into a car accident. He yes. rear-ends them. Yes. And then, and then he takes them into the club because he doesn't want them to sue him. And yep. he says it multiple times where they keep running into him and asking for favors, and he's like, I just, I just don't want to get sued. He rear-ends them in their flower truck. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how we handle a tie. It's three to three now. Well, you know what? You're both going to get $5,000 of Starank coins. How about that? Does that sound good? It's an even split. I mean, That's they're fine. worth their weight in gold, so. Well, it's chocolate, chocolate so they're worth their weight in chocolate. <laughs> they're worth uh, five gonna... British pounds. I'm not going to lie to you. It's of a shitload chocolate. of chocolate. All right, before we get into our recommendations, let's take a quick break. But leading us into that, let's hear from our friends over at Hop Nation. Hey, everyone, this is Steve. And this is Adam. And we're part of the Hop Nation USA podcast. Pittsburgh's number three craft beer podcast. Join us every Friday for new beer reviews. We'll talk about the news, history, and homebrewing. Plus, we'll sit down with the best brewers and industry personalities that'll have us. So whether you're a casual drinker, a hazy boy hophead, or even if you're a whale hunting cellar hoarder, just search Hop Nation USA on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher and join the nation. Welcome back, listener. Uh, Let's close this thing out. Let's do recommendations. Uh, I'll go first. The only thing I have uh, new that I've watched, and I don't know if it's a full recommendation, but I think it's worth chatting about, is The Little Things on HBO Max. I know Thunderous Wizard watched this over the past week, and we both like parts, but didn't feel it was a complete uh, psychological cop drama. I I wanted to get your thoughts, Thunderous Wizard. It's worth watching for the Jared Leto and Denzel Washington performances. Also, you may really like it, for the approach it takes, or you may be as frustrated as we were for that approach. Yeah, I mean, I will say, I will say that Leto. I mean, two hours is a long time to dedicate to one character, but Leto in it fucking nails it. He's he, so goddamn yeah. creepy. He was real creepy. He was just nominated for the Golden Globe for Best Supporting Actor. People are mad about that, and I understand why they're mad. But he was really good in the movie, so. Yeah, and. We'll keep going since you've already started talking. What do you have this week for recommendations? So my recommendation, uh, which actually even discusses last week's movie, is In Search of the Last Action Hero, 
which is a documentary about the golden age of action cinema, which is the 80s and 90s, which is our golden age, like our generation's golden age. It's free on Prime. Uh, it's definitely worth your time, especially if you love Arnold, Sly, Van Damme, Bruce Willis, and you know into the 90s with Nicolas Cage and all that stuff and the Asian influence on action cinema. Uh, it was a great documentary. They interview all sorts of awesome people. Eric Roberts talks about Best of the Best, which is a classic. Uh, they talk to Shane Black. They they talk to tons of people. It was really cool. And it is free. And It's like two and a half hours. I thought it was awesome. So You might have mentioned it, but where do you find that? It's free on Prime. Nice. Good Good job. That's a, that's a solid pick. Captain Cash, what do you got this month? Or not this month, this week. So my recommendation is going to be of a European bent, because we kind of get the fun trip around Europe, uh, is a CGI update of one of my favorite old school animes, which is Lupin the Third. Uh, it's available on Amazon and a handful of other things. It is Lupin the Third the First. Uh, it really does a good job of capturing sort of the the kind of funny, weird movements of the anime characters translated to i don't want to call it pixar right but they're using 3d animation for it uh it's pretty funny my kids love it i like it i i can tell i've only ever seen the dub i can tell probably the 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 subtitle version is probably better but as far as anime updates go i liked it nice and finally chumpzilla what do you got for us well, since this movie was released in 1991, I've chosen a contemporary television show for my recommendation, and I am talking about the Henson Studios-produced Dinosaur sitcom, uh, which was, you know, airing during the <laughs> early 90s. Um, I'm not recommending the entire series, although the show is better than you remember, uh, but there are two episodes in particular that I think uh, everybody should check out because they're very topical even today. So uh, episode 14 from season three, Green Card, which covers illegal immigration and a border wall and some economic issues that are strangely relevant today. And then check out the season finale, which was considered pretty transgressive uh, for its time. Uh, it involves global warming, climate change. Uh, those are available streaming on Disney Plus right now. And uh, yeah, like I said, this show is uh, it's, it's better than I remember. And you could definitely see its influence. You know, it's obviously a spoof on like sitcoms, like The Honeymooners, and uh, uh, on the family and things like that. But yeah, you can definitely see where this has inspired things that came after it, like Family Guy uh, and and things of that kind of nature. So yeah, check it out. So Dinosaurs uh, season three, episode fourteen, and then the season finale, which is the end of the fourth season. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but. The end of the series is essentially the annihilation of the dinosaurs because they Rocks weren't, fall, everyone dies. They weren't smart enough to face the scientific reality of their circumstance. Correct. Yep. It's a very bittersweet ending, and people were shocked, shocked it ended so darkly. But they had a pretty good feeling the, season, the show was going to be canceled, so they decided to kind of go they nuclear just, with the ending. Just went all in. Yeah. Not the mama. So... So you made it fairly dark to end this pod. Cool. Thanks. That's great. Thanks. All right. Thanks again, everyone, for joining us for the 96th episode of Hops and Box Office Flops. Thanks for Miller for providing us with beer. I'm not gonna the go high life. 
the, the champagne, champagne of beers. Uh, if you all would do us a favor and leave us a review or a suggestion on any of the places you can find us, that'd be great. And we have a stream of movies coming up, but we always <clears throat> like to know about some other ones we might have missed out on. Next week, Chumpzilla will be leading us through Ballistic X versus Sever, which is apparently a movie. Not sure I've actually seen it, so I'm it sounds excited. like a bad video game. It does sound like a bad video game. I'm not gonna lie to you. Oh my god, it who's in this? A bad video it game. It looked like a bad video game. Yeah, so. Antonio Banderas and Lucy Liu. Oh man, I do like it, Antonio it, Banderas. Almost but... at the height of their powers too. Right, like They're... possibly some of the sexiest people at the time. Not sexier than Zaro. That still remains sexiest, Banderas. What, I mean, what year did this come out? It's just a sexy month. I mean, you get Banderas at the peak of his powers. You yeah, got Richard Grieco. Grieco. Uh, uh, you, you get Gina Davis at the peak of her sexy powers. You get Gina Davis. Yeah, uh, we're getting Val Kilmer and uh, young Val Kilmer. Should have just named this Sexy Month. What yeah. were we doing with hops and double O flops? What were we doing? Uh, well, sexy I mean, spies and flops. Yeah, well, retrospect. Uh, as always, you can find the pod on all the social medias at hops and bo flops. You can find me on Twitter at hbof mccheese. You can find the thunderous wizard at writer tlk. You can find Captain Cash at C A P T C A S H, and you can find Chumpzilla in your basement at Chumpzilla Eight on Twitter. And remember, folks, if you're traveling to a foreign country, it is always a smart idea to not assume the identity of someone else, especially in 2021, uh, even if it gets you some super cool gadgets. And stay safe, and we'll see you all next week. Here's to bad movies and good beer. Cheers. Are we are we categorizing this? As, I guess we can categorize this as good beer. I guess that's fine. It's beer. It's definitely beer. I'm telling you right now, if I can steal those high tops, I'm taking that guy's identity. Yeah, yeah. No, straight I'm, up. I'm sorry. If somebody, gives me, if somebody gives me a candy apple red lotus, yeah, fuck it. I'll be whoever okay, you want so, me to so be. So here's a super late pod <laughs> question. Here's a, here's a super deep dive late pod question for the one person still listening. If you have in your memory banks right now, what is the one spy gadget that you are lusting over that you need that? Ooh, yeah, that's. That's... In this movie or in general, in all movies? No, no, like, in, in, dig into your brain and all the spy movies you've ever seen. What is the one gadget you're like, holy shit, I need that gadget? Oh, it's definitely the Daniel Craig Bonds, Aston Martin, done. It's just a car. That's not a gadget. Come on. No, I, I mean, a, I would definitely, I would 100% it probably shoots it. missiles and, like, has an ejection seat and smoke screens. Fuck yeah, I'm taking the car. And Aston uh, Martin, sign me up. I meant one thing like the shoes. I'd take the x-ray glasses in a heartbeat, not even for the creepiness, just to be able to like, I don't know if you can actually see the cards, but I'd do the x-ray way, glasses. Way to cover your tracks with a not I mean, creepy thing. I mean, cheating well, I mean, cheating I don't poker see a poker would make bones. it more money. I mean, I mean, James Bond had a friggin' jetpack. I would kill for a jetpack. That's a good call. <laughs> Thunderball, man. Where are you going with the jetpack? <laughs> Wherever you want, it's a fucking jetpack. That's the point. You know what? I'm. I don't need the jetpack if I got an Aston Martin. I can get everywhere I need to be. Yeah, you've already you've already wasted your vote. You got a car. Thanks. Bye. I flew a drone once, and it went directly into this insane person's lawn. If I had a jetpack, there's no doubt I'm crashing immediately in the worst possible place. Jet jetpack though, for sure. Still taking the risk.
jetpack. I also think a jetpack would rock because I could be the Rocketeer. Yes. Jetpack is pretty much it, actually. Listen. Of all the, the crazy bullshit you could have, a full-on jetpack? Yeah, a jetpack, please. Uh, Turbo Man rocked a jetpack. He did. And if I could be a hero to my kids like Turbo Man, oh, even though he was go. a deadbeat for the majority of the movie. I'm this is the part that. of the pod where Thunderous Wizard starts crying. I'm taking that chance. It's turbo time. Jamie! 